Good evening and welcome to Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from BaseballPerspectus.com. It is um, Monday, November 12th. This is episode 81. I feel like I'm safe saying good evening because it is 9-12 uh, where you are, correct? Yes, that's right. And so this is an evening episode. Mm-hmm. Um, your topic is today. Um, so what is your topic? Uh, I wanted to talk about the different approaches that a couple teams are taking and saying they're taking with their closers. You wanted to talk about a couple of approaches that teams are taking and saying that they're taking with regards to their closers. That's right. Okay. <laughs> this is that's unfortunate because that is not the kind of topic that I can furiously Google. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Well, you probably won't have to. You can okay. just say some things. Um so I was just kind of combing through rumors, as I generally do towards the end of the day when I'm trying to think of a podcast topic, uh, and a couple recent ones stood out to me because they were direct opposites, really. Uh, two teams that are looking for a closer, or at least looking for someone to be designated as the person who gets saves most of the time, um, kind of have different philosophies. Uh, about what they're going to do about that this winter. So you have, on one hand, the Reds, uh, and I'll just read an excerpt here from an MLB.com story. On the Reds, uh, it says, The specific makeup of the Reds' 2013 rotation and back end of the bullpen will have one rather large question mark next to it, at least for the time being. Much of the uncertainty will exist until the Reds figure out what to do with the role as Chapman. We haven't made a decision on Chapman as a starter or as a reliever, Reds general manager Walt Jockety said. We're talking about it. Part of what determines if Chapman starts involves how well the Reds navigate their way around the free agent market for closers. It depends on if we re-sign Jonathan Broxton and Ryan Madsen, Jockety said, or if we get another closer. Uh, So the Reds, of course, have been talking about moving Chapman or or what role to, uh, to have him in for a couple of seasons now. But for now, it, it sounds like they definitely want him as the starter, but they are willing to use him as a closer or, or to continue using him as a closer if they don't find one on the free agent market. Uh, and from all the, the rumors, all the closer candidates they've been tied to have been established closers, guys who have closed before uh, and have led their team in saves before. Um, so they're kind of letting this be a deciding factor for them this offseason. What happens in at the closer position will determine what happens in their starting rotation and, and what other moves they make. And then on the other hand, you have the Angels and Jerry DePoto, uh, who, according to Ken Rosenthal, uh, Ken Rosenthal wrote, the way DePoto sees it, he'll acquire the best bullpen arms he can find and the Angels will figure out the rest. Uh, so they have Frieri, who kind of came out of nowhere to be their closer this year, and they have Scott Downs and Kevin Jepsen and Jordan Walden, and and uh, Rosenthal writes that Depoto is not concerned with finding a pure closer. Um, so you have these totally different philosophies for two pretty successful teams. Uh, and if you look at the, the saves leaderboard from last year, uh, the guys who had at least 20 saves, there were 
There were 25 relievers with at least 20 saves. 12 of them had had 20 saves before. So basically half of them, a little more than half of them, were were first-time closers, or at least first-time, full-time closers. And that's pretty typical of what you see almost every season. Uh, For one reason or another, there is just a ton of turnover, and the the saves leaderboard from one season looks nothing like the saves leaderboard from the next. Um, I was also reading another rumor uh, about the Tigers, who are in need of a closer, um, and Danny Nobler tweeted that the Tigers are not interested in Rafael Soriano. They plan to stay in-house for closer with hard-throwing 21-year-old Bruce Rondon getting a chance at the job. Uh, and that's someone who hasn't pitched in the majors at all, let alone in a save situation. So I kind of wonder how this, uh, how these competing philosophies can can coexist at the same time for successful teams in the same leagues. Um even if you look at just the, the playoff teams from last season, the most successful teams and the teams with the highest leverage spots, over half of them finished their seasons with, uh, with new closers, first-time closers, or guys who hadn't really done the job before. So that kind of takes away the argument that a team can't be successful or can't, can't succeed in the playoffs without a closer. Both World Series teams were, were using closers that that they hadn't started the season with as closers and hadn't been closers before the season. So I wonder whether you think that the Reds philosophy is uh, kind of an endangered species. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's mostly an endangered species, uh, but it's also, there is a, there's a bit of pressure on the GM uh, who takes the DePoto path still. And that pressure is that uh, you do have to find the guy. I mean, the, there. Uh, there is certainly, I think, a, a an acceptance of the fact that there are many more guys capable of getting saves than simply the guys who have already gotten saves. Um, so you're not limited to the 30 guys who are already in those jobs, and and that's a nice thing. I mean, if you want a shortstop, you're essentially limited to the 30 shortstops in Major League Baseball, um, or you know, the, a couple of others. Uh, but if you want a closer, there's, there's a lot more than 30. And so, I mean, if you just look at a simple, a supply and demand math, it's pretty obvious that, um, DePoto's way will get you a better deal from, um, the perspective of, I think what, um, his players expect and his fan base expects and, and quite possibly what his manager expects though, you still do need to come up with a guy. And, uh, DePoto came up with a guy last year, uh, uh, which was, uh, Ernie Frieri. And as long as you can keep doing that, which is, you know, I mean, what, what Billy Bean was doing in, in the, the mid, uh, the middle part of last decade when, when he was sort of, uh, I, I think probably the most prominent GM exposing the lie of the closer, um, you, he kept coming up with them, and partly he kept coming up with them because, like I said, it's 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 a lot easier um, than coming up with the shortstop. Um, but it's not guaranteed, and if you don't come up with that guy, it is a it is probably the most um, I would say the most uh, disheartening way to lose for a fan base is is mm-hmm. to have a, a terrible bullpen. And um, so, I mean, there's there's a certain amount of hustle that you need to do uh, to make this work, but. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, I, I think that it's it, it's clearly less, well, I, would, I think, I mean, I don't know, I was going to say it's clearly less of a factor now than it was 10 years ago, but on the other hand, um, if, uh, you know, if you look at the money that Papelbon 
Papelbon mm-hmm. got last winter and that uh, Madsen nearly got last winter and that Heath Bell got last I mean Heath Bell goodness gracious right <laughs> I mean, nobody nobody thought Heath Bell was one of the 30 best relievers yeah. alive I don't think and we haven't really gotten uh, to see what a closer will sign for yet this winter I mean we we saw the Brandon league deal and then uh, we saw today the Jeremy Affelt deal for three years and, and 18 billion yeah. but we haven't really seen a traditional closer sign yet so I guess we're not sure where that market is right now the other thing i don't know if the numbers would back this up but the um given how sort of fast uh relievers burn out i mean the the sort of uh uh kind of career path of a dominant reliever is usually like like a year and four months Mm -hmm. and then and then they stop being dominant it seems to me that probably uh if you really took the best reliever on each staff um of the 30 of the 30 teams I, I mean my guess is that probably something like 20 plus uh would have a uh, pre-arb uh best reliever mm-hmm. and so uh the idea that you're you know you're you're going out and spending i mean that the the best shortstop on each team uh, if you did that same exercise you might have like seven or eight that were pre-arb at most and quite possibly two or three or four. Um, so I think that there's something interesting about each of these teams that you've brought up that if I can sort of steer the question slightly different mm-hmm. uh, direction. But Frieri, it, this is this is the part of the closer myth that I think is um, hysterical and uh, that I love, which is that the um, there's no defined number of saves for a guy to be a proven closer Mm -hmm. and i've never been able to pin down what that number is or where that line is frieri closed for basically the entire year for (laughs) you know for a big market team in a pennant race Mm -hmm. and he did he did extremely i mean i guess i would say well maybe not extremely well given what extremely well means for relievers these days but he did very well and um and i don't think that depoto would say that he's looking for a closer at all but the the sort of rumor reporters and also i think the angels fan base and the angels reporters uh are kind of imposing this search on him that like oh they keep asking all right oh are you looking at soriano are you looking at you know valverde like he has a closer Mm -hmm. and uh i don't know why frieri who had um, you know, 23 saves. I guess 23 is not the number. It seems to me that 23 would be enough if you're going with this idea. Uh, but um, it probably also varies from from reliever to reliever. And if you're a particular type of man, I think if you are a... a um, my guess is that the number is much lower if you're a, a heavy set white guy with facial hair. <laughs> uh, whereas Frieri and like Romo, as another example are not that Mm -hmm. uh and uh romo again uh, romo is another one Mm -hmm. he saved he saved his way to the world series and uh i'm not sure Uh, maybe he's a proven closer now i I don't know he won't be i don't think he's likely to close for the giants next year unless wilson gets hurt but i'm not sure if romo is a proven closer or not um but anyway yeah and there was doubt about i think even madsen last winter who was signed to be a closer uh there were still concerns about whether he kind of had the closer mentality which was strange i thought because he was coming off a season where he saved 32 games and generally been very good for a, a phillies team that made the playoffs um and i feel like you know if you have 
I mean, maybe the concerns were legitimate when he was just a really good setup guy with a few saves sprinkled in here and there. But when you've had a full season, um, I mean, I would think that if the if the mentality thing is going to come back to bite you, it would happen at some point in that first season. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think we would both acknowledge that what we're talking about is is basically silliness and is not really um, what the, the the distinction that we're drawing is much more about how they're viewed than about whether you know what they actually are. So um, the other thing is that uh, Chapman is interesting because um, well when I was a kid uh, I was a I t- I was I really wanted to be an infield. So I would take ground ball. It was basically the only thing I could do on a baseball field was, was field ground balls because I didn't have much strength. I was a little guy, but I could field ground balls because that's all I did is have my dad hit me ground balls. So I was very good at ground balls. But when I would be uh, in the young year of the league, you know, it's like two, it's like 11, 12. So when I was 11, I was the young guy. They would always put me in the outfield and I didn't want to be in the outfield. I wanted to be in the infield because it was the only way I could contribute to the team. Right. So I had this idea one year to uh, totally botch everything in right field. <laughs> and, and then the, the, the manager would, re- would realize that I was no outfielder. I, was, uh, I, was, I, I must be an infielder. <laughs> he should move me to shortstop. <laughs> and my, uh, my dad convinced me that, that actually making a ton of errors in right field is not how you get to play shortstop. <laughs> and so Chapman, it, it, I, was, I was thinking about this. The better he does as a reliever the more obvious it is that he, sh- I guess that he should, would have value, you know, that he would be a, 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 good, a very good starter. And yet the more dominant he is as a reliever, the harder it is, even for me emotionally, and I have no emotional attachment to this at all, for me to see him, like, like I really have a hard time, even though I know rationally, like obviously, you know, it's just it's 71 innings is not nearly enough for this guy. Mm-hmm. But the better he does in that role, the harder it is for me to move him out of there. And I almost feel like if he had, um, if he had gone the other way, if he had had a bad year as a reliever, would that have made me want to move him to starting even more? <laughs> yeah, I think it would, even though that's <laughs> irrational. That's totally irrational. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I don't know, Chapman. That's going to be. It's. I think it's probably going to be really annoying to talk about it for the uh, during spring training. So I'm glad that we're getting ahead of the game. Yeah. Well, everyone who's been listening to us for a while knows that we hate talking about the Reds. Um, so this is just a one-time exception. But we have, I think, mentioned uh, how good their bullpen was before. It was really, really good this season. Um, and we've also mentioned how I don't know if it's easy, but at least. How, how large the supply of relievers who are kind of dominant is now. Um, I wrote the other day that were there were 60-something relievers who struck out over a batter per inning, and they weren't evenly distributed, of course, but that's still an average of a, a couple of those guys per team, and, and most teams you probably can find a couple of those guys. Um, so I don't know. I, I wonder, I mean, whatever the, the, the drop-off from Chapman to some mortal closer would be for them, even if it's not someone who's done the job before, if they are really convinced that he's going to be a success as a starter, um, it, it seems like there would be more to gain there. Yeah. You know, I actually was, I'm glad you brought that up because I know that it's going to be brought up 
repeatedly when they start talking about moving him to the rotation about how the Reds bullpen was such a, a huge part of their success and how it was the nasty boys. And that was really the number one narrative about the Reds, I think, and their success was that they had maybe the greatest bullpen of all time. And so people are going to say, hey, how are you going to break that up <laughs> now? It, it showed just how important it is. Right. But I think it's really important to, 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 to note that the Reds' success was just as uh, as reliant on perhaps more so on their tremendous turnaround in the rotation and they had I'm going to uh, because it's here in front of me they got um, their starting rotation their five guys this year produced uh, 17 uh, war uh, on baseball references model of it L- the year before their starting rotation produced uh, about two war you just and, you have that in front of you at all times um, well, I looked it up uh-huh. because that's I was on that page, mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah. So I, anyway, that's a I, I just want to note before that uh, that um, meme gets started that it is a false argument and we should not stand for it. <laughs> well, I mean, does it make sense to argue that that it doesn't to make it doesn't make sense to break up something that was a great strength, or is that an, an even more compelling argument to kind of rob that? weakness to or rob that strength to to pave over a weakness not that it necessarily was a weakness in this case but the idea that you can't break up a great bullpen because it worked so well um maybe because it was so good you could take something away from it and be a better team um yeah okay so now i see where where the hole in my argument is uh <laughs> <laughs> well it was I... more the hole in other people's in in the straw men's argument yeah i think uh i think th- uh, that there's probably, uh, well, it, I don't know. It's hard to, I don't probably think that there's much interconnectedness to the effectiveness of one reliever on another. I mean, there's, there's the innings that Chapman pitches, I think are primarily, um, limited to the innings that Chapman pitches. I don't think they have a great deal of effect on, uh, JJ Hoover. Um, so, uh, I would say that breaking up is probably a loaded way of describing what you would be doing, which is, mm-hmm. Taking, taking one strong part of it and moving it and making it hopefully a strong part of another more important part of the team. Mm-hmm. And my point in, point in pointing out the Reds' uh, rotation success this year is not to say that their rotation doesn't need Chapman. It's to say that the rotation needs to be successful for the Reds to be good. I mean, they probably won't be a 17-win um rotation next year there will probably will be regression in injuries and Bronson Arroyo perhaps um being the guy that I still think he is um and or you know Mike Leake uh being removed or something so I think he's more important in the rotation anyway I don't want to go down that way okay well we will be following the Chapman situation and probably never talking about it again but we'll be following it and we learned about your Henry Scrimshander like upbringing as a obsessive infielder from the art of fielding. Did you read the art of fielding? I did. You're actually the second person <laughs> on a podcast in the last week really? to bring to to name drop him off the top of his head. I mean, I I recognize the name because uh-huh. I read the book, but I would never in a million years have come up with it. Yeah, uh, from memory. Ground ball taking reminded me of him. Yeah, yeah. But Grant Brisby made a similar reference oh. on uh, Ian's podcast recently. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. we're done with episode 81. Uh, if you want to email us, because Wednesday is traditionally uh, a, a week-long tradition, is our <laughs> is our listener email show. So if you want to send us a question in the hopes that we will answer it or have someone smarter on to answer it, 
uh, please send it to us at podcast at baseballperspectus.com.